Well, there are many good songs, but that's an excellent song in Christ alone. Very encouraging about Jesus overcame the worst that men could throw at him. It shows the ultimate defeat of evil and the ultimate triumph of good and righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We did talk about this morning about zeal for the cross of Christ, as the Apostle Paul talked about, that he only wanted to glory in the cross of Christ. This week we're going to be talking about the theme of zeal for God. One of the verses uh, that talks about our need for zeal is in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, not lagging behind in diligence. Sometimes we feel like our get up and go has got up and went. He says, do not be lagging behind in diligence. We'll talk about tonight being diligent in personal spiritual growth. But be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That word there, fervent, means to be on fire. Uh, if someone were to set your clothes on fire, I think you would move. The idea of being on fire for the Lord, there is this spiritual energy in our soul. This is not something that is artificially contrived by some external stimulation, but this is the byproduct, really, of the, the faith, hope, and love that we have in Jesus Christ. And we can all be fervent and zealous in different ways and express it in different ways. You don't have to express it necessarily like someone else might. I, one time, I hugged somebody at church, and, and apparently he didn't think it was good enough. He said, brother, I need to teach you how to hug. Well, you know, you know, there's different ways you can hug people, and it's okay. You know, the Bible, one of the things that the Bible talks about that I think is one of these uh, 16 zeal words in the New Testament, 15 times you'll find the word that we are to be alert. That means to be wide awake, that we are not to be a bunch of sleepyheads as far as in our service to God. This is very important that we are to be spiritually alert. Someone said that Satan rocks the cradle of the sleeping Christian. Why is it that we need to be alert? There is an enemy that seeks to destroy us. It's quite distressing when you hear about the terrible growth of Islamic terrorism in the world where you have uh, Islamic terrorism has come to the United States. People have been killed in the United States because they have been inspired by uh, radical Islamic uh, philosophy, uh, which is really radical or, or really primitive Islamic philosophy of killing people or beheading them if they do not accept uh, the Koran. But there is a greater enemy that is uh, alive and alert today that seeks to destroy us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. There's our zeal word. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It'd be terrible to have, it'd be terrible to have our head cut off, but how much worse is it to be cut off from God? It's tragic to be murdered and have your life destroyed, but it is far more tragic to have your life destroyed in hell. But it says to resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. Uh, Satan is looks like sometimes he's winning the war in the conflict between good and evil. However, we need to understand that our fight is not in vain, that this is a winnable War. Christ died. They did the worst they could possibly do to him, but he didn't stay dead. 
that shows that the power of God is, there, uh, is stronger than the schemes of men. And there's not enough power in hell capable or strong enough to defeat God in the accomplishment of His purpose. So this is a winnable war. The Bible talks about that we are to put on the full armor of God. And the point I want to bring out here, well, how to put on the full armor of God. Notice he says, and with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert, there's our word again, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Uh, we're going to talk about a common to- an uncommon aspect of a common topic. Uh, pretty much that we ought to pray. Everyone would agree with that. That's not going to be anything new. But I want you to notice this says how to pray. If we're going to win this war, Satan's trying to destroy us. We need to be alert in our prayer. That means to be wide awake in our praying. And that word there, awake, alert, means to be without sleep. One time uh, I was visiting with someone and it was around 7 p.m. and they uh, offered me some coffee. And I said, is that decaf coffee? And they said, oh yes, this is decaf coffee. So I drank the coffee. Around 10 p.m. I realized it was not decaf coffee. My eyes were wide awake. Couldn't go to sleep. I wanted to go to sleep. Could not go to sleep. And that's what it means to be alert. We are to be wide awake in our praying. The point here is how often do we allow mental distractions to come in and to divert, dilute, and derail our prayers? I started thinking about this when we were having a discussion about prayer and about hindrances to effective Praying, And we all know that we should pray. We should pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We should pray that God's will be done. But how often are we praying? And we'll pray, God, please watch over me and keep me safe. Oh, yeah, the screen door is not locked. It's broken. I've got to go to the hardware store. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm praying. And, and please uh, um, uh, keep so-and-so safe. And, oh, yeah, I need to call them. I hadn't talked to them. And, oh, yeah, okay, I'm praying. How often have you been praying and you've caught yourself, your mind just sort of wandering around somewhere, or you started to pray and then you uh, got distracted, you forgot you were praying, or you fell asleep while you were praying. And what we're going to talk about, some things that will help us to be alert in our praying, like saying our prayers out loud or articulating our prayers to help us to to concentrate. The idea of alert praying is to help us to focus our mind and to clearly articulate our praying so that it is effective. Uh, it's talking about really just talking about focus in prayer. Uh, the Hubble telescope went up uh, in 1990, I believe, and it was useless for about three years. You know why it was useless? The mirror in the Hubble telescope was not focused properly. Everything was a blur. Uh, if you take a magnifying glass, and, and if you take that magnifying glass, you hold it still, you can harness the power of the sun on a single point, and you can start a fire. That's concentrated energy. But when you take that magnifying glass and you kind of move it around, uh, it's not going to focus the energy of the sun or start a fire. That's kind of like our praying. When we, we, we pray kind of vague thought prayers and we get distracted, uh, diverted in our praying, 
They're going to result in aborted prayers that are not very effective and we're not alert in prayer. And in fact, the Bible, we're going to look at these verses that talk about how important it is to stay alert in our praying. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. That's another one of our zeal words, to be earnest in our praying. Prayer is more than just mumbling some words. It's putting our whole heart and soul into it. He says, being alert. And this is a little different word. It means being aroused from sleep. In fact, if we're kind of spiritually lethargic, we'll take time to pray. It'll help wake us up. It'll help get us closer to God. It'll help us to get focused. Sometimes the world distracts us and takes our mind off of spiritual things. And we do this alert praying with thanksgiving when we count our spiritual blessings. Distracted praying is ineffective. So our lesson today, we're going to talk about zeal for alert prayer empowers us to focus our prayers powerfully, specifically, and effectively so that we'll be close to God. We need to remember in this battle of the soul, which is a winnable war, that praying undergirds human weakness with divine omnipotence. That when we are praying, we're calling upon the God of the universe who has all power. So so we're going to have zeal for alert prayer. We need to make uh, alertness in our praying a priority. We're going to take time now to turn over to Mark chapter 14. We're going to read this together. Here, Jesus is at, uh, in Gethsemane as he, he's about to be arrested. So this is a, uh, the greatest crisis in his life. And you'll notice here in Mark chapter 14, verse 37, after Jesus was praying to his father, he said, verse 37, He came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus knew that this was going to be a great crisis of faith for all the apostles because over in Luke's account, Jesus had told Peter that Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Satan was saying, let me at them. I want to destroy them. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith would fail not. Um, You know, people do not uh, usually fall away from God instantly. I mean, usually someone is not just really strong and close to God, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. Usually it is an erosion of faith. Usually a person drifts away from God slowly, making small compromises, and little by little, they get weaker and weaker, and then finally they, they uh, just, you know, fall away from God. So we have to be careful. What's going to help us stay close to God? It's regular, alert praying. Um, if I'm too busy to pray, you know what that means? I'm just too busy. So Jesus said that we need to keep alert and watch be vigilant and pray. And what prayer does is it helps us to see things from God's perspective. Help to see, help us to see the eternal spiritual view of things. So Jesus tells his disciples to watch and pray, and it keeps us from temptation to sin. When was the last time you gave in to sin, or I gave in to sin, while we were fervently praying? 
Usually, two things that keep us from giving into sin. Quoting a Bible verse like Jesus did or saying a prayer. Uh, prayer will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from prayer. And this is a really good strategy. When we face temptation out in the world, we need to have a strategy. When I face temptation, what am I going to do? It's good to have some verses that deal with different specific situations. And also say, I'm going to take time to pray. And that blunts the seduction of sin. It helps take us mind off of the temptation. Okay. Notice that Jesus urges alertness in prayer to help fight off being overwhelmed by diversions and temptations. You know, uh, we don't have to, uh, for the devil to destroy us, we don't have to do a lot of things bad. We just have to be uh, distracted and not do much good. And I want you to turn now with me as we read together in Luke chapter 22, uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 34, where Jesus talks about being prepared for the end of the world. Jesus is talking about the end of the world here in Luke chapter 21, verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. We don't know when that's going to happen, but he's talking about one day, as surely as we are here, this world is going to pass away. He says, verse 34, be on the guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. The word there, dissipation, originally meant a headache which means a, ha- a hangover from being drunk, then it came to be used for dissipation and pleasure. Your hearts not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. Just fretting about stuff. Mind, that word worry means a divided mind. And that the, that day, what day, the end of the world, will not come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all of the earth. So this is talking about the end of time and universal judgment. Verse 36, but keep on the alert. There's our zeal word. Keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. People do drugs, take alcohol as an escape. Um, and this also, Jesus is saying that you don't have to be lost by by drunkenness, you can just be uh, overwhelmed by the worries of life. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And fear comes about when we take our mind off of God, the object of faith, and put it on our worries and our fears. And what prayer does is prayer takes our mind off of our problems It helps us to put our mind on the problem solver, who is God. So he says that they were to be alert in praying. And then next, another thing that will help us to be alert in praying is to read Scripture before praying. One of the most common things that we do, and it's a really good thing to pray for wisdom and to be open to the Word, is before we read the Bible, before we have a Bible study with someone, we'll say, let us pray. How often have you, after your Bible reading, had your Bible reading to help your praying? Prayer helps our Bible reading, but Bible reading also helps to focus and drive home the point of the Scripture. Notice what Psalm 119 verse 7 says, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. 
So you learn God's righteous judgments by the study of the Bible. And what was the response to that? Well, it was praising God, which that could be done in song and in prayer. And you have some other verses in Psalm 119 that talk about a worshipful or prayerful response after reading the Word of God. So we should see Bible study can help improve our praying. Prayer certainly helps our Bible study, but Bible study can help alertness in prayer. I'm now going to give you a a, a good example of this. If you'll turn over to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel is a great man of faith. Daniel is one of the few men uh, or characters in the Bible that we don't know anything bad about their life. That is, nothing sinful is recorded in their life. We know about uh, the lie of Abraham and the adultery of David, but we don't know of anything bad that David, uh, Daniel did. So he's a great man of faith. Let's see. Let's see, Daniel is still after Ezekiel, is that right? Okay. I'm getting there in just a second. Daniel chapter 9. Let's read now, start verse 2. I want you to notice, Daniel is going to read the Bible, and that's going to motivate him to pray one of the greatest most beautiful intercessory prayers in all of the Bible. We read in Daniel chapter 9, starting verse 2. Now, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, and the reign here is of Darius. This is around 538 B.C., after the fall of the Babylonian Empire. And in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books, so he's reading the Bible, the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, for the completion of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. He's reading over in Jeremiah 25 and verse 11. Verse 3, So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek Him by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So notice, his reading of the Bible helped focus his thinking in the alertness to pray for a specific thing. We notice in verse Four and five, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and the awesome God, who keeps His covenant and loving kindness for those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and we have committed iniquity and we have acted wickedly and rebelled, even turning aside from your your commandments and your ordinances. Now, I'm not going to read his entire prayer, but let's skip on down to verse 17 at the conclusion. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. That is, Daniel understood the grace of God. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, oh, my God, do not delay because of your city and your people are called by your name. And what this passage says, if you go on and read the rest of it, because of one man's prayer, he was sent a message from Gabriel that said that his prayer had been heard. The idea is that the prayer of one man had a great effect on the um, return of God's people to uh, Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the city. 
The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Our faith is not in prayer. Our faith is in God who answers prayer. But I would encourage us and read great prayers of the Bible can help us focus on appropriating the scriptural language of mighty men of faith. You ever thought about reading the Bible can help in the, the you appropriate the words that are appropriate to your situation. Uh, Lockyer wrote a series of books called All the Names in the Bible, All the Men of the Bible, All the Prayers of the Bible. How many prayers do you think there are in the Bible? Just get a number in your head. How many do you think there are? Lockyer in his book said there are 650 prayers in the Bible. When we read prayers like Daniel or other prayers, how do they compare to my praying? What I say in my praying? In my praying, do I treat God as if he's the big candy store in the sky? Just give me, give me, give me? What, what are the different elements of my praying? What are the words that I use in my praying? Has it become a tiresome habit? Reading the prayers of the Bible help, uh, I think, to enrich and to focus our praying so we will be alert in our praying. Another thing to do to help us to be alert in prayer is to close the door. To shut the door. Jesus teaches the importance of focusing our prayers in private prayer. Now we'll now turn over to Matthew chapter 6 and read from Matthew 6 where Jesus talked about uh, prayer, the vain prayer of the hypocrites and the Gentiles who repeated these uh, mindless phrases. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, he says, When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they had their reward in full. Their prayers went no higher than the ceiling, didn't go anywhere, because it's all for show. It wasn't, uh, they didn't have faith, do it in faith to please God. Verse 6, but when you pray, go into your inner room. Or uh, the King James says, your closet, and close your door. Notice he said, close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now when I was a little boy and I saw that Jesus said, go into your closet and pray, I had a little bitty room and a little bitty closet. And I said, well, there's no way I can fit in my closet. I mean, it's got clothes in there. I can't get in there. Well, the word doesn't literally mean a place where you hang clothes. A closet just simply meant an inner room somewhere. And that's reflected in more modern translations. But notice, Jesus said, shut the door. That means to shut the world out, to lay aside the cares of this world, and to focus like a laser beam on alert praying. Communion with God. Intimacy with God. I uh, heard the story about... Uh, some, of, you know, some of our hymns were written by Charles Wesley. And uh, his wife, uh, he and his wife, they had 12 children. This is back in the 1700s. And, you know, taking care of 12 children, that would be uh, a lot of work. And what she would do to make time for prayer, Mrs. Wesley... She would tell her, her children, said, when she put her apron over her head, they were to leave her alone. That was her prayer closet. In the, in, the, in, the, in the hustle and bustle of life, we have to carve out or set aside that time as of prime importance. 
Uh, one habit that I've done that's, that's helpful to me, when I wake up in the morning and sit up on the side of the bed, I use that as a time to say a short prayer. When I read the Bible, you know, it's all in the morning, that's a good time to pray. When I walk in my neighborhood 15 minutes to the end of the neighborhood, it's out by a cotton field there. It's a nice, quiet, tranquil place. There's a walking trail also where they have, it has a creek there, and there's still water in the creek, just barely. But it's nice and tranquil, and it's quiet. And that's like a prayer closet to me. Time I can be alone with God, clear my mind, and to focus on God. And there's a movie called War Room. And I think you know the basic overall message of that movie is very good. When you have problems, they were having marital problems. You know, dedicate a time and a place to pray about those problems. So, you know, note some examples of the importance of finding a quiet place for focused prayer. I mean, you have a precept and you have examples. Look at Jesus, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long day, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. The context, Jesus was healing, had lots of people coming to him. And what did Jesus do? Jesus went out and made sure he was in a private place to focus uh, with undivided attention on his God in prayer. You see the same thing in Matthew 14, 23. Jesus would go up to a mountain by himself to pray. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Peter went up on the housetop. Why is that? A private place to pray. So all that means that we pray to deflect uninvited distractions. Now I just will mention here in Acts chapter 6, verse 2 and 4, we won't read that passage. I think it's a familiar passage. But when there was a problem in the church about the Hellenistic widows being overlooked in the daily serving of food, the apostles said that, that we are not to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. But they appointed seven men to take care of this matter And it says, we will devote ourselves to the ministry of the Word and to prayer. Now, isn't that a good thing to take care of the benevolent needs of these widows? Yes. But the apostles, as the leaders in preaching the gospel, said you have to be able to distinguish between a secondary thing and the main thing. And the main thing was their preaching and taking time to pray, which is a great point. We can be so busy doing good things that we forget the prime thing, which is focusing on a right, close relationship with God. And we need to organize our praying. I want you to turn now over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. You may be still there, Matthew 6. That um, I think it's helpful to organize our praying. Jesus taught uh, some logical organization in our praying. He says, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's the first thing to pray for? Pray for God's glory and God's will be done. Put God first in our praying. Do we come to prayer, God give me this, God give me that? Or have I put God first in my praying? We can pray today, your kingdom spread since we live on this side of the cross and the kingdom has been established. But that should be our prayer. God's will first. And then secondly, notice this great organization 
of our needs, past, present, and future. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice, present, give us this our, our daily bread. Past, forgive us our debts. The future, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation. So you have a model of conciseness in prayer. And this will help us not to ramble around in our praying, but to have some plan and focus in our praying. And we need to remember the acts of prayer. What are the acts of prayer? Adoration, confession of sin, thanksgiving, and supplication for our needs and others, and that's intercession. The acts of prayer, to make sure that I have a a balanced, focused prayer life. Putting God first, examining myself, thanking God for my blessings, asking for my needs, and interceding for others. And it helps us, I think, a good practical model of praying. Um, I'm going to go for time's sake. I just want you to look at some of, oh, what happened? Okay. I didn't, I, I, I didn't mean to hit it that many times anyway. Let's see. Here we go. I need to focus here. While I'm, okay, it's not moving. Okay. Um, I don't know. This thing is the, the, the thing is jumping around. The uh, pointers moving around on the screen here. Okay. Um, but anyway, I'm, maybe you're seeing the same. I'm seeing different things here on my screen, but... Um, now it's not moving around. Okay. Okay. Another thing that's helpful is to be, to pray out loud. Sue Hall said one of the most important things his mother taught him is to pray, to pray out loud because it makes God more of a listening companion. And you see this in the Psalms, Psalm 77 verse 1, my voice rises to God. I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. When we articulate our prayers, it's, it helps us more than just think about them in a vague way. We have to crystallize our thinking, and it helps it to be more clear. And you may think when you're in private, you know, praying out loud, you may feel awkward because you don't know, like you're talking to yourself. Really? When you're praying to God, you're talking to yourself. You know, if you believe God's there, you're not talking to yourself. So, in conclusion... Ephesians 6, 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints. Distracted praying is ineffective. But zeal for alertness in prayer empowers us to focus our prayers powerfully and specifically on God. This is a winnable war. We can all be as close to God as we want to. And zeal for alertness in prayer is a great way to stay close to God to win this everlasting victory over Satan through Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, you don't have the right of prayer. You're not a child of God. You're outside the family of God. But if you're born again, he'll send the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father. So if you're not a Christian, we invite you. If you believe that Jesus is the son of God, you're willing to turn from sin and put him on in baptism. We invite you to come while we stand and sing.